Some people who grew up with abuse and neglect benefit tremendously from going no contact with their parents. Getting full distance from your family of origin might be exactly what you need to get perspective on what happened to you and how it affected you. And it might clear a space where you can build a life where there isn't the constant threat that screwed up relatives will leak back into your life and create problems and throw you into mental chaos. Now, sometimes your healing will create so much space in your life that being around damaged people doesn't affect you like it used to. And this creates the possibility, not the necessity, but the option that you can have those people in your life on the terms that feel right to you. Now, I always will come down on the side of having choices. And for this reason, I teach methods for setting boundaries that if it's what you want, can be used to buy time away from the problem people without declaring permanency. You need that time away sometimes. A permanent break is still an option, but if you're not certain that you need it to be permanent, you can claim that needed space in your life without putting a timeline on it. My letter today is from a woman I'll call Alana, and she writes, Hi, Anna. I need some help navigating deep grief and guilt I feel over cutting my mother out of my life. I must preface that I don't hate my mother in the slightest. I love her very much. At her best, she has many classic maternal qualities, thoughtful, nurturing, and a charming sense of humor. Although she was neglectful, she was the only one in my family who did not abuse me. All right, I'm going to circle things to come back to in a second reading, but let's see what Alana's got going on. In childhood, I was severely physically abused by my older brother, which she was fully aware of. It was complicated by the fact that he was only three years older and had mild uh, autism. He was on the spectrum, autism spectrum. He improved dramatically with treatment and I have forgiven him completely, but I do hold resentment that my safety was not prioritized at that time. I was also sexually abused by my father. I don't remember how frequent it was. The harassment aspect of it was constant and obvious. And as an adult now, I have trouble reasoning that she really had no clue. I only opened up once about it to her and she didn't say anything. It has never been addressed since. In my teenage years, I caused her a lot of heartache. I self-harmed a lot. I ran away and I used drugs. I would also steal from her, which she never outright acknowledged, but she started sleeping with her purse. Wow. Her and my father split up, which meant she he moved into the basement and began dating other women, but she would still cook meals for him and do anything else he needed. I see. I eventually left to stay in a youth shelter and paved my way from that. Although it was my choice to leave and she begged me to come back, I'd argue that she abandoned me first. Because if I stayed, it would have never changed, living in a filthy house with musty air and a monster in the basement. Wow. I've tried reconnecting in adulthood, but she makes it so difficult. I had two ground rules. Our relationship needs to be about the present and it needs to be about us. And I would ease into it with a casual conversation and joking, but she would always draw the conversation back to the past and her guilt. Without actually acknowledging any specifics, she would just cry about how she failed me. Or other times she would try to talk me into making amends with my father whom she is still attached to at the hip. I would always leave at these instances. To the outsider, I might look evil. No, 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 honey. <laughs> C 
callously abandoning my distraught, teary-eyed mother. But even if I wanted to dig it all up again, I'm incapable. I haven't cried in front of her in years, and the closest thing to an emotional response I can give her is contempt. The final straw was a year ago when she requested that I recount all the abuse I experienced from my father over a recording so that she can review it with her therapist. I told her I could no longer have her in my life at, that, at this point, that her guilt was not my burden to bear. She would still continually text me to say she loved me, so I blocked her. These past few months were difficult. My CPTSD led me to losing my job in an embarrassing way, and I had to contact her again to borrow money, which she gave me. The fact that she was always eager to provide financial support leads to a lot of self-doubt because many other people I've met with similar upbringings don't have that available to them. My messages were professional, for lack of a better term like a business email, well-mannered and to the point. She would respond in a similar fashion at first, but started prying about life details and even requested we begin a monthly check-in system because she is worried about me. I blocked her number again after this. I'm worried that I'm being too harsh. I understand that most of her issues probably come from her being abandoned as an infant and having no family. And in her mind, my father is the only person she has left. But to me, all I see is a pathetic woman who chose a man over her children. I miss my mother immensely, and I left the, the nest too early, but I'm only 23, and I have enough problems as it is. I feel ill-prepared for life and so lost. So, so lost. But what good is a compass in the presence of magnets? <laughs> That's a good phrase. Your insight and tough love is very welcome, and once again, thank you for the work you've done for the community. All right. That's from Alana. Alana, let's see if we can help you. That I'm so sorry. Gosh, I'm so sorry. You told me toward the end of this that you were just 23, and that explains something to me. I think right now you're pretty buttoned up with the compartmentalization that some of us use to get launched out of the house and into life. And often what happens later than that is we get a little bit more undone. Maybe we get our heart broken, we go under tremendous stress about something that happens, and then the old traumas come out. What you were telling me about the sexual abuse, about your brother's abuse of you, about your mom not dealing with it, and her, what I guess I would call emotional immaturity at best, right? Where she did not respond and seemed not to have a clue about the fact that her daughter was being sexually abused. It's very hard for me as a mother to understand that, you know? and. Um, but I, I grew up in a similar, in a similar kind of situation actually, where there just wasn't, the parents were not attuned to us and without that attunement, you can't tell when something's wrong. And then I've also lived parts of my life, like severely affected by my, my complex PTSD. And I wasn't attuned to other people and gosh, I hope I never did that to my kids, but I can understand how it happens. I do, I can understand how it happens. And your safety was not prioritized and that's bad. And I imagine that, I'm really proud of you actually for the strength that you've had to set boundaries and get out. And that you're, you are able, I do sense that you're compartmentalizing it and that is a perfectly legitimate thing to do, my friend. That's what we do. That's how we get forward in our lives until we're in a safe place where we can sort of unpack some of it. So that's what you're doing. So good work. Good work on that. 
Um, you sound like you've done a great job of not letting it become your identity. Like you just see this is like not good for me. I don't want to be around it. And then you had this one little blip where you needed money. But let me come to that. You went to a youth shelter when you were a minor. And so you were just saying, you know, like your dad starts sleeping with other women. You're taking her money and <laughs> she sleeps with her purse, but doesn't say anything to you. And that's again, like as a mother, like I can, that's like a profound failure to a kid. Kids must be called out on breaking rules, you know, like that. But it's just like a little secret. She can't deal with the conflict, I guess. She kept taking care of your dad. It's some sort of agreement they had, but it felt crazy for you. And I get it. Nothing was being dealt with. You weren't safe. You felt like this thing where you just said nothing would have changed living in a filthy house with musty air and a monster in the basement. God, that's powerful. Those are powerful words about what it was like. She begged you to come back, but you knew you had to leave and you were too young. You said later, you did, you, you left the nest too early. And not to trivialize this, but I had a cat once and um, I had a cat when it was a kitten. I, I really wanted it, but it was, it was from a home that was like two hours away from me. And I was visiting there and it was, the cat was too young and I took it anyway. It didn't need a bottle anymore, but that cat was just like psychologically messed up forever. When you would cuddle her, she would bite, you know? And I just, that's always been a metaphor for me about why we need to be cared for by our mothers properly for the proper amount of time. And you didn't get to have that, but you've done a darn good job of parenting yourself. I mean, moving to a youth shelter is just such incredible um, self-determination and it couldn't have been easy. And it, I'm sure it was not a panacea that solved all your problems either. So you've tried reconnecting in adulthood, but she makes it so difficult because she's still got that weird codependent um, emotional immaturity. And she still can't really take seriously the transgressions that have occurred, the, the wounds that she has caused that make you uncomfortable around her. She simply can't deal with it. I'm thinking I doesn't, I'm going to wager she's never going to change. You know, it's safe to assume that about most people. She doesn't sound like she's going to get it. So what could change is how tolerant you are about it. What could change is that, you know, the older you get, the more you just go, yeah, she's an emotional invalid. She's somebody who can't really function like a full person. You can, you're there. You're sort of like a helper who comes and visits her and cheers up her life when you come, if you come, I'm not pressuring you to come, but if you do that you, you know, you cheer up her life, but it sounds like she goes into this guilt thing and she can't, she just doesn't have a practical way to process her guilt. I would like to recommend to you that you do my daily practice as a way to just keep moving your feelings through. So you don't have to cope with this by, if you want to have no contact, by all means have no contact, but I want you to have choices. And sometimes when you have a way to like deal with your triggers, to take your emotions and process them and get clarity in their place and just keep kind of firming up like a tree that turns from a sapling into something quite strong and resilient as that's happening for you, then her, her problems will probably be, they'll have less of an impact on you. I, I don't know. There's something about parents. They did install the buttons. They know how to push them, but it sounds like she's not intentionally manipulating you. She's just pretty much stuck in a childlike state. And these emotions come up where she vaguely knows she hurt you. And she, she has no idea how to take responsibility or fix that. It's a hard thing to fix, you know, to be fair, it's a hard thing to fix, but she's not doing a great job. And you're not, you're just like, you are not comfortable with the way she handles it. 
and you're allowed to do that. So this is why I started this video with a preamble saying it is okay to take time away from people. You don't have to cut them off forever. You don't have to put any timeline on it. You can just say to yourself, not necessarily to them, just, I'm not sure when I'm going to resume this. I'm going to see how it goes. I'm going to see how it goes. Now, some people, they just want to do a permanent cutoff because they, they want to make sure that they don't go running back every time they feel sad or something, or every time this, this is when you asked her for the money was that opened it up again. And I know you know that, but I guess you needed the money and you're young and young people, I think, have special privileges to ask for money. But in the context of your no contact and blocking her and everything, it's a little awkward. So I can see how she, of course, she wanted to take advantage of that and give you the money and try to, she really wants a relationship with you. She just doesn't know how to do that properly. So if you decide to, you have a choice that you can sort of be in her life um, I think it's interesting that she wants a week monthly check on check in because she's worried about you. She sounds like the one who needs to be worried about, and maybe she's not that old yet. You're only 23, so she might not be even old as old as me. But as parents get older, you know, sometimes that pull comes of like keep an eye on them, make sure they're okay. It's so sad that they're all alone that everything's falling apart for them, and um, or they they go into financial ruin, and you know, there's this desire to help. And those are all options. I'm just really an advocate about keeping options on the table. Now, when you're not sure where you're coming from, even when you are sure, you don't have to communicate that to other people. You can always communicate as it, you know what, right now, I can't talk to you right now. I just can't talk to you right now. I'll get in touch when I'm ready. You can do that. If you need to then stop the calls that keep coming at you, you can set a stronger boundary, but you do not have to commit to any timeline in advance when you feel ambivalent about that timeline right? And then it's, it will be easier not to feel guilty. Guilt is resentment at yourself. And um, it's sometimes, sometimes we resent ourselves because we did something that's not in accord with our deepest values. Sometimes we resent ourselves because we're in the habit of resenting ourselves and feeling guilty. So guilt and shame is resent, resentment itself. So I teach these techniques, the daily practice that help deal with um, guilt, shame, resentment at other people, fear, anxiety about life. Just keep rinsing the feelings so that as they keep being generated, they have somewhere to go. They have somewhere healthy to go where we're not driven by them. We're not suppressing them. We're just kind of facing them, naming them, releasing them and allowing ourselves to keep showing up every day with a full heart, you know, open to our lives, open to our feelings. And a lot of good can come from that. So I'm always recommending that. The link to my daily practice is in the description section below this video and every video and on my website, Crappy Childhood Fairy. It's free. If you take it, you will be, you'll receive invitations to join me in free daily practice Zoom calls every couple weeks. It's really fun. Hundreds of people come and we do the techniques together and I take questions. You'd be most welcome there. Um, you may also want to um, try some boundaries that I call ninja boundaries. And these are boundaries. They're super clever because they're strong, but the, the other person doesn't always even know that you're using boundaries. That's the art of it. Like there's, there's like clumsy boundaries where we're just like, that's it. I never want to talk to you again. And we trigger the other person. We set off a lot of drama when the goal of the boundary is not to have drama, right? So ninja boundaries are how you can kind of like, you got a boundary and the other person doesn't, you know, they're, they're not getting set off. You're not getting into drama with them. That's an ideal boundary. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, 
think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.